Over at the Never Heard of It podcast, we've spent the last four years criticizing people's films and talking about how they could have made them better. Well, you know what? Now it's time to put your money where our mouth is. That's right. The Never Heard of It podcast and Night Shift Radio are making a movie. We are making a brand new sci-fi thriller called Somnium. Somnium is the tale of a brand new app, something kind of like TikTok, where people are able to watch others' dreams, everyone's dreams, anonymously across the world. However, our main character, Adam, starts to see dreams that look all too familiar, including dreams of somebody murdering him. So the question is, who is dreaming of murdering Adam? That's the question we look to answer in our brand new film, Somnium, but we need your help. We need your help in funding so we can pay the amazing crew and the amazing cast of this brand new film. Head to nightshiftradio.com somnium. Donate what you can, and if you can't, share with 100,000 of your closest friends. Someone out there is going to be a rich weirdo that's going to want to fund this film. So again, nightshiftradio.com somnium. Thank you so much, guys. We look forward to making this movie just for you. You're listening to Fight Jokes About Everything, a Night Shift Radio original. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com. It's Friday, so today we are doing part of our big uh, crossover event for all of Night Shift Radio. So um, we've had uh, Left of the Dial do the soundtrack, and we had the Superpod Hero cast talk about the movie Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. So over on uh, Superpod Hero cast, they really go through the film start to finish, um, every scene, you know, give a lot of cool background information, um, all the fun facts about filming and stuff like that. And then over on Left of the Dial, they actually reviewed the soundtrack for it because it's just such an amazing soundtrack. Great brands, you know, there's uh, like Beck and like Metro and really, really cool stuff. So definitely check uh, both of those episodes out. Um, but over here, we are going to talk about the cultural impact of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Now, when I saw this movie, I saw this as a press pass, uh, like pre-release. And I remember going to see this movie and there was a lot of people in the theater who, you know, had, had gotten this press pass and, you know, most of it was, you know, press junkies and, and, uh, you know, press junkets and, and people that worked for some sort of media organization. Um, I was working for, a, a for Fox at the time. And the biggest thing about it is a lot of people left the theater one of two ways. You either left the theater being like, this was really dumb and I don't understand. Or you left being like, this was the best movie I've ever seen. And this is there's a huge, huge drift in that. And one of the biggest reasons why is because uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World embraced something that a lot of people is uh, considered very cult-like. So the sense of like the the video game history of it. I mean, uh, this is one of the first films. I mean, this is probably one of the only films still to this day that really, really embraced the, the video game iconography of, uh, of the, that generation. I mean, there's, there's countless incidental, uh, sounds of like Zelda and Mario, um, and Sonic. And, you know, there's there, you know, the things were like all the animations and the boom pows and everything. And it was just, it was very, you know, a mix of like live action anime, and, and like video game culture, like kind of all meshed into one. And for most part, I would say this was probably more unique in a, um, in an American setting. And there's tons of live action Japanese films that are, are, um, uh, takes on either manga or anime that were like this. This is, this is a whole genre, um, in, in Japanese film, um, specifically, uh, Japanese film that were based off of anime or, or manga. Um, so the fact, you know, and, and again, the, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world is actually Scott Pilgrim versus the universe. This is uh, based off a graphic novel. Um, and, and so this is, uh, it, it's kind of that same sort of idea. Um, but 
it was brought to American cultures using things that were popular to America. So it just became, you know, this whole animal on itself. Now you're probably saying like, oh yeah, wow, this is crazy. Of course, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Well, obviously it did fantastic at the box office. No, actually it did terrible at the box office, uh, earning just, just shy of 10 million on its opening weekend, only 31 total, um, which, you know, seems like a lot, but it was like an $85 million budget. I mean, think of all the stars in it. Granted, most of the people uh, were not as stars as they are now. Um, I would say almost everyone that was in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World uh, went on to be substantially more famous. Um, you know, I mean, Chris Evans is, is you know, a really big pick on that. He was already pretty well known um, for a few things. You know, he had just come off of uh, Not Another Teen Movie and a few other things. He was just about to do Snowpiercer. Um, so he, he had some things under his belt. You know, Michael Sarah was uh, just coming off of Arrested Development. Mary Elizabeth Winstead had just come off a Tarantino film. Um, you know, who else? Jason Schwartzman is is kind of like that indie darling. You know, he had done tons of movies right around that time. So like everybody knew about Jason Schwartzman too. I mean, you had a cast that was primed and ready to go. They were all right on the tipping point of being... Um, you know, as fantastic as they are in their field. And, you know, now we know that everybody has, you know, gone off to do uh, a lot of crazy things, except Michael Sarah. So Michael Sarah has done some good things, but he has not been in a movie in a very long time. Hopefully he has something coming up. Uh, but fun fact about this, which I'm sure the super bad guys have uh, actually covered, um, but the original casting uh, for uh, Michael Sarah's uh, character, the main character of Scott Pilgrim was actually meant to be Seth Rogen. Um, that would have been weird. Um, uh, but uh, I think Michael Sarah is a better fit. But anyways, we're going to talk about the cultural impact of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Now, I wanted to say that as a result of this, um, that because uh, this film came out in uh, 2010, uh, that uh, in 2011 or 12, we saw a dramatic increase in the number of kids born named Ramona. Um, but that was not the case, actually. Uh, that Ramona named was not in the top 50 uh, for the next five years, um, actually at all, of... Uh, of, of, of baby names in America. So uh, no big impact in that sense, but everybody now refers to the Ramona Flowers character, um, which I guess is a nicer way of saying the Manic Pixie Dream Girl character um, because it's like, yeah, but it's a specific person, so it's cuter. Um, but but it is, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're the Ramona Flowers of the this. Um, now, uh, we'll go a little bit of, of the individual aspects of it, but I think one of the biggest things that I think has a large, um, has a lasting effect on, um, uh, on the culture and, and specifically that sort of like indie gamer culture of of Scott Pilgrim is a few of the lines. Now, the one thing about this movie that was really great is that there was a lot of really great short hot quips that happen and they're so quotable they're just these great one-liners and this really harkens back to to the manga writing uh, where you know you're you're given uh you know a whole page to really show a scene happen you know punching the moon or whatever like that but you really only get so much room for dialogue um that doesn't take up the space of your art um so those really important one-shot quips are really really important you know one of the ones i i always criticize this one, but it was kind of right around the same time is, you know, we have uh, Amy, the drummer of the band who says, um, great story, man. But at that time, now this is, you know, a year or two, uh, you know, around that sort of teeter starting around that year that this film came out. Um, cool story, bro, was the big popular saying. 
Now, cool story, bro, started before this. This film was being filmed in 2009, so it was right around the same time. But my thoughts is that Great Story Man was probably the Canadian way of doing it, so maybe that it was, you know, it seemed fine. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things like, uh, I think about, like, Roxy. One of the things she says is, like, you know, I'm sorry, darling, I just cashed my last rain check. And he's like, what's that from? She's like, my brain. I say that all the time. And I know tons of people that say things like that. Be like, oh, what's that from? My brain. Um, you know, there's those little bitty lines. That's great. Uh, you know, one of the characters we talk about, too, is Anna Kendrick. So Anna Kendrick, you know, obviously was still uh, kind of entrenched in um, uh, Twilight or about to be entrenched in twilight and then eventually went off to pitch perfect and all the other movies that she's done you know her character of just the constantly leaving we have Arb uh, aubrey plaza who was in this who was uh, just uh, in the midst of being on parks and rec too um so you have you have these figures you know where the great thing it's this is the weird thing but the great thing so the great thing about this movie is that it definitely made all of the female characters be larger than life. The unfortunate part is, uh, and again, this is still one of my favorite movies, but the unfortunate part is, is that they all, every woman in this film is a character that was given to make Scott be a thing or do a thing. Um, you know, Amy as, as the girl drummer of the band, like she, she exists just to show that Scott has a weird history um, with breaking up with women. Knives Chow, played by Ellen Wong, who is absolutely fantastic in Glow. If you haven't watched Glow, you absolutely need to watch it. She is great in it. Um, but but Ellen Wong, Knives Chow's character, I mean, she, she is this like, you know, overly idolized character about the fact that she's, you know, she's in high school. She's uh, Chinese. She goes to a Catholic school girl with the outfits. Like it's, it's these like idolizations of, of her, but it's not about her personally. You know, like she, she exists just to show that like Scott has trouble growing up and moving on and having an adult relationship and more specifically having an adult relationship with, with a female that he finds intimidating. Along comes Ramona Flowers, you know, and we, we all know the, uh, you know, the Ramona Flowers uh, type, you know, whether you are the the Ramona Flowers type, uh, uh, male, female, non-binary, or you know the, the Ramona Flowers type. Everybody knows that type, but we all know that they have way more depth than is given in this movie. Um, but the Ramona Flowers in this movie is just she's Mary Elizabeth Winstead does such a great job in this because she exists exactly as she need to you know she she uh, she the whole first half of the film she exists to to kind of be like hey like I don't really see what the big deal is this is just how things are and he's like uh, I don't know what's happening you know um and that's that's about Scott's journey. But the idea behind uh, a Ramona Flowers it gave it gave like one step up of that manic pixie dream girl. And I think you know we have seen this in a lot of films and and video game you know arcs and stuff like this. Now is that everybody's kind of being compared back to that Ramona Flowers. So everyone's being like, oh well, are they a Ramona Flowers? They're oh, they're kind of like Ramona Flowers. So we see that the impact of that specific character has. And I think it's very interesting that a lot of times you'll find people compared to everybody other than Scott. Um, which uh, is um, hilarious to me, but also I think that's kind of the point, you know, is that uh, Scott is so unassuming uh, that that he's only interesting because of all the company he keeps. You know, I mean, even young Neil has an interesting arc uh, to him. So when it comes to the actual uh, aspect of that, you know, we see 
we see inside of this all, like I said, all of the video game references uh, that that are pushed in. That's something that was it was on the cusp of exploding. Like Twitch is just now getting running um, at this time. This is 2000, 2010, 2011. Um, you know, so like gamer culture wasn't what it is today. And I think, and I would say that it definitely uh, owes itself to this film, kind of pushing it more to the mainstream. Now, you know, uh, the thing is, is that this movie lost out in the box office to The Expendables and Eat, Pray, Love. Now, obviously, Eat, Pray, Love, we're going to put that in a little separate category. Um, That was already an insanely popular book. It was bound to do well. But The Expendables is, you know, one of those examples of a movie that was expendable. You know, like, yeah, they made three of those movies. But do you did you even remember that they made three of those movies? You probably didn't. Do you remember that Scott Pilgrim came out? Yes, you do. Do you remember that last year over the summer, there was a, uh, a an original cast read through of uh, the entire script again for charity on Zoom? Yeah, you probably remember remember that do you remember Sylvester Stallone talking about making an all-female expendables no that also happened last year uh, where he talked about that in an interview and of course you don't remember that because the cultural impact of the expendables versus Scott Pilgrim versus the world were completely different this was like a slow burn film um and this is still I I put this film up as 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 kind of like my uh my intro to Michael fight uh, uh movie because not only the writing of it, the editing of it, the flow of the film, the references inside of it, the music in general, these are the things that I use as like a threshold, a threshold uh, to be like, you know, hey, this this is me. This is something that defines my personality. Like, can you jive with this? And that's, you know, and it's used very well and has never done me wrong. So what do you guys think? Hopefully you checked out the other Night Shift Radio shows um, on this. And of course, if you're watching over on YouTube, uh, please subscribe. I super appreciate it. And don't forget to like, comment, and share. Um, It's very, very helpful. But then, of course, head on over to the Super Pod Hero cast, hear them break down the entire movie of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and then head over to Left of the Dial and uh, listen to them talk about the soundtrack. It's absolutely fantastic soundtrack. Um, I still want to hear the Brie Larson version uh, of the Clash of Demon Head stuff. Like, I just want that whole... Uh I just want a whole Clash at Demon Head album. That's all I want. Um, following Brie Larson and hearing her play guitar and sing is, is just not enough. It's not enough. I need my Clash at Demon Head. Um, but yeah, so definitely let me know what you think. You can, of course, uh, tweet at me at the Michael Fight. I'm also on Instagram at Michael Fight. And for more information, you can visit nightshiftradio.com. All right, guys, thanks a lot for joining me, and we will see you on Monday. Hi, I'm Sarah Sweeney, host of the new podcast, Latchkey Kids. Right now, we're all at home left to our own devices without any adult supervision. Each weekish, I'll talk to my fellow latchkey kids about what they're up to, how they're wasting time, and because I can, make them perform a dramatic reading of a TV show theme song. So join me wherever you get your podcasts. Mindless monsters, once thought human, fill the streets. A corrupt government threatens the lives of the people it's meant to serve. This sounds a little too familiar. Is this real life? Or a video game you can play for fun? Shift Talk Q, Night Shift Radio's newest original production, is your LGBTQ centered source for creative and thoughtful discussions and news at the intersection of gaming, diversity, and community. You can expect unboxings, game reviews, let's plays, community nights, celebrations of what video games are doing right, critical conversations about where the gaming industry needs to do better, and so much more. Be the first to know when new episodes drop by following us on Twitter and Instagram at NSR Shift Alt Q. And on Twitch at Shift Alt Q. 
to join the community. For more information about Shift-Alt-Q, visit nightshiftradio.com.